Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. We are just one day away now from Old Miss, Alabama. Welcome into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. On this Friday, and not a great news day Friday, but it's mostly just information that is not corroborated. Understandably so, it's the Friday before the game. The team's traveling, stuff like that. But there are rumor, injury rumor stuff floating around out there right now. So we'll talk about the game itself, of course, and then that. What is it? What is the latest as of this recording on Friday afternoon? And what it means for the game. We'll also give picks because we've done that. And so far we're 3-0 because the team is 3-0, a comfortable 3-0. But things get more serious tomorrow. My friends haven't let me forget the fact that I was wrong on the over-unders, though. We've oh, been right on, on the victories, but over-unders, they've been killing me about oh, that. whatever. So well, we'll, we'll try to get this one right. I feel like under 80 might be a decent play for this game. 80 is just so many freaking points. <laughs> I know I know it happened last year. Like, I get it. I, I do. I, I, I watched the game. I know. That just seems like a lot. It does. These are two really good offenses, though. And we, we've got a little time before the end of the episode here to... To really think yeah, about that. I, I don't know. I, I did see, so uh, I like College Game Day a lot and the people on it and stuff, but I, I saw that the bear from Game Day was on some podcast and the audio was getting shared around about why he thinks the under is a good play for Ole Miss and Alabama. And he said because he knows that Nick Saban has been watching the film from last year's Ole Miss game since it happened, and they're going to have something ready for Ole Miss's offense. And I, I thought, if that's your justification for the under, you you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> because I promise you, like, it, I think we oversimplify offenses. You, you think Ole Miss only has the plays they ran against Alabama? Like, that's <laughs> all that they have is what they showed Alabama. And Lane Kiffin's going to go out there and run the exact same set of plays and change nothing <laughs> about his game plan. I was listening to that and thought, man, what the hell are you talking about? With all due respect, I like him in his show and all that, but, well, Nick's been studying that film uh, since it happened last year, and he's going to be ready this time. Like, They're not going to run the same offense. Elijah no. Moore's not there. Kenny is not there. It's going to be different. How can that even be a thought of yours? Oh, he'll be ready this time, as if Lane Kiffin's playbook is the size of Phil Longo's. Like, And as if... Nick Saban is only watching film from one game. Yeah. Nick Saban doesn't have this game circled on the calendar the same way that Ole Miss may have it for Alabama. It's no offense to Ole Miss, but... No, that's his process. Exactly. And Alabama, since that game, you know, they kind of won that national championship thing. They were They were looking at that film a lot, too. So, you know, has he watched that game over and over this week? Probably. Sure. But if there's one coach in the country that doesn't look past any team and really does mean it when they say one game at a time, it's Nick Saban. Yeah. I just that that cracks me up when I saw that. I, I was so confused really. I mean, sure, will Ole Miss try some of the same things they had success with last year because personnel on that side of the ball for Alabama uh scheme and stuff is similar. Sure. 
But if you're telling me that they're going to run the same stuff they did a year ago, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what you think happens, <laughs> but it is not that. My goodness. Anyway, uh, so so that is out there. But before we get into the the injury stuff, I do want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by absms.com, Advantage Business Systems of Mississippi. If you are a business owner or you make decisions. Uh, at your business anywhere in the state, see what ABS can do for you. It's an office technology solutions company. So things like copiers and printers and mail machines, uh, phone systems, cloud storage, data security, stuff like that. Office technology. If you're in the market, absms.com is the website. Tell them we sent you and they'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment. Also, LB is just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. It is the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. If you are not going to Tuscaloosa, well, you might get unfortunate weather actually tomorrow as I look at this. Could be a rainy day. So um, you won't necessarily, unless it cooperates, get to be outside behind the grill, but you can cook with meat inside as well. Get that started at LB's and tell Greg we sent you. All right, Stephen. So this injury stuff, I didn't hear anything about it at all until I got a text from a friend that said, is Mingo out? And my response was, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I had no idea that that was even out there. And it, it turns out that the message boards have been flying with Mingo out, Mingo not out. He hurt his ankle. He hurt his foot. It sounds like, and you've got a report from David Johnson up right now, don't you? Yes. So it's- so this is David Johnson of the Ole Miss Spirit, and this is what he said about the rumors that Jonathan Mingo will not be playing, hurt himself in practice, and is out for this game. Here's what he said. Yeah, so this is the exact quote. David Johnson says, We can confirm Mingo's status is questionable right now. We can also confirm he has some sort of fracture in his foot, but hear hear that he will try to play. DK Metcalf had a similar injury his senior year at Oxford High and played through it. Hmm. Which is interesting because then in his... Freshman season at Ole Miss, DK Metcalf had foot surgery after the Florida State game, I believe it was, or the Wofford game. Something like that, so, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those kind of injuries, I guess, that, that you can play through if, uh, if it's the same thing. And I'm certainly not a doctor and, and don't pretend to be one. So, But, it, you know, those kind of foot injuries seem tricky to decide whether or not it's something you yeah. can play through. Other outlets are... Re- not reporting. See, this is where I feel bad for guys like like David Johnson, Ben Garrett, Neil McCready, Chase Parham, those people that will will post what they're hearing. Like, hey, guys, I haven't confirmed this, but this is just what I've heard. I don't know for sure. And people will take it as, Neil McCready reported he's out for the season. It's like, no, that's not what he said. He said that he's hearing that from one person it's a possibility if it's this. Like, there's so many qualifiers because that's how the rumor mill works. It's you never know what's true, and so you get you ask these people to tell you what they're hearing, and then you take it and turn it into something else, and it becomes a whole thing. But uh, Neil said uh, one source said it was a Jones fracture. That's not the first place I've seen or heard that as well. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what that means, but I've heard that before, and it, that that is something that has kept players out for many weeks and could possibly be season-ending. A Jones fracture of the bone on the pinky toe side of your foot is what it says Mm. right here immediately from UPMC. I don't know where that is. Well, we'll just uh, take UPMC's word (laughs) for it. I trust them Um, more than I trust myself on that one. So a lot of information, not much of it verified, but 
if he does try to give it a go and he's comfortable enough to play, that's obviously the, the best of a bad situation. But let's just pretend for a second that he cannot give it a go. Um, I, in one of my group messages, people are like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. He's the team's third, third best receiver. It, he, he is. I, I would take, if you were asking me to pick the team's best receivers, he's second in receiving yards on the team, I believe, without having it in front of me. Um, it's... Drummond, Sanders, Mingo. I think he's the third best receiver option on the team, but it's clear as day to me that he has taken strides and he's an important piece of the offense. For me to sit here on this Friday and tell you that Ole Miss possibly losing Jonathan Mingo is not a big deal, I I would feel stupid telling you that. I think it is a big deal. I think it does have an impact. Is it the difference between a win and a loss? I, I don't know, but losing him is not something you can just, eh, whatever, next man up, no big deal, so what, we're going there and winning anyway. I don't think you can apply that to the situation. No, and before I knew about this injury report, Mingo's name was one that I wrote down as somebody who didn't really play all that well or have much of an impact on last year's game as someone that I expected to play a huge role in the game this year. So I think it I think it would be a pretty big deal if he is out. Uh you have you have a lot of receivers on this Ole Miss team that are very talented, but they're all similar in their frame and you know the way yeah. that they play. Mingo is your one big physical outside receiver. And I think if you lose him, I do think you lose a pretty big threat in your offense and that kind of pushes things more towards the middle of the field. For sure. So in his place, um, uh, what will they do? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think that they've had great success with Drummond um, being in the slot, uh, almost playing a tight end role at times, keeping him really close to the line of scrimmage. I imagine they're not going to move him outside. I think they're going to keep him in that role and have somebody else, Braylon Brown, who they were really high on, got injured in camp, apparently is ready to go. Uh, that That's more likely. I mean, I've yep. seen people say that, no, it's Plumlee's time to shine. I don't think they're going to move Drummond. I, I think they're going to keep Drummond where he is and replace Mingo instead of moving Drummond over and bringing Plumley and Pearson up to the starting role. I think it's going to be like Braylon Brown instead of that, yep. if that makes sense. And his health, that that was my question mark with him being that kind of replacement piece. Is we haven't He played a few plays in the two-lane game. Am I right on that? Got in there a little bit. I think so. Yeah, because that's when everybody was like, wait. Yep. So he's not out for the season because right. he played. Yeah. So if he can, you know, give you valuable snaps in this game, then I think that's the more likely option rather than shifting Drummond to the outside. Although he does have experience doing that. He did it a lot last year. And then maybe you see an expanded role for a guy like Jacor Pearson who, you know, he'll flash about once a game so far. That's kind of been his thing. And then he yeah. quietly... Fades away. They haven't used him or needed to. Honestly, they haven't needed to use right. him. That's the thing we learned last year that Kiffin and Levy aren't necessarily, you know, they don't force the issue on spreading the ball around. You know what I mean? They yeah. don't. They don't need eight wide receivers to make the offense go. They need three. It, it, that's all they need, and they're going to ride those horses. That's how they've and, done it so far this year. That's how they've done it this year. That's clearly how they did it last year. And I suspect that to continue. Um, I'm fascinated by how they adjust to this or, or what they're able to do. I was expecting anyway 
um, Jacor Pearson to have a bigger role than he's had so far anyway. I mean, people just kind of dismissed him. Oh, he's a walk-on from Western Kentucky, but he was really good at, at Western Kentucky. And like you said, when he's flashed, he's done it. I mean, mm-hmm. looks the part. And so now maybe you see a little bit more from him. Um, I, I also believe they haven't yet shown everything they've got in terms of backs out of the backfield in the past game. I don't think we've seen... We've seen flashes, but I don't think we've seen them unleash Ely and Paris specifically running routes out of the backfield, which is an automatic mismatch regardless of who's yeah, covering them, really. six catches for both so far. My prediction of, what did I say, 50 catches for Ely by the end of the season, that's severely behind right now. Yeah, behind now, now things are starting to pick up a little bit, though. I think, I think you're going to be on the money here. I, if you set an over-under for me five and a half catches in this game, I might go over. I think this is you're going to start seeing more of that in the offense. I think that's you know my prediction or whatever you want to call it for this game. I think you're going to start seeing more of that now that it's not going to be so easy to sit in the pocket and throw to a wide ass opened Ontario Drummond all game. <laughs> He's a great receiver. I think he'll get on an NFL roster next year, but it's a different animal when yeah. it's Alabama covering him as opposed to. Tulane. They're going to have things to be a little get, bit more creative. Things get real now. This yeah. is this is the meat of the schedule. These first three games, we've been able to to get a feel for what this team's identity is and what they want it to be. Now we get to see what happens when there's some pushback on that. You can dictate things all you want when you're playing Austin P and Tulane yeah. and Louisville to a certain degree, but now when you're playing a team like Alabama, I think this will be the first time this season that we have to see Lane Kiffin in this offense adjust on the fly. Uh, other possible injury news again. This is just possible. You, you, you don't know. Um, Jake Springer. It, it sounds like, according to some, he may not play as well. But it, you know, you would rather have somebody as talented as him playing against Alabama than not. But at least that position group is one that you feel has pretty good depth, and he hasn't played a whole lot this year anyway. When he did, he flashed and looked really good, but. You know, hadn't played a whole lot. Right. So if he doesn't play, obviously not having a guy that talented on your field is not good, but at least this is a position group where you feel like you could have sustained missing a game from Jacob Springer as opposed to wide receiver where you don't feel great about what you have after your first three. You just haven't seen it yet. There's potential there. You haven't seen it, at least in the secondary you got both. You got potential, and you've seen it. Which would not have been the case last year against oh, Alabama. God, no. oh. the, the secondary was just awful last year. This year you have a couple more pieces that you know can come in and, and fill that role while Springer's out. So, all that being said, I guess I'm on something. I don't know what it is. I think Ole Miss has a chance to win this game. I have gone all week. I've looked at it. I I don't think it's fair to judge this team, Lane Kiffin, the program, on a win or a loss in this game. I don't think that's fair. If they get beat 52-7 to or whatever, then we got to have a different conversation on this show on Monday. But if they play close and lose, I hope you guys listening, I don't mean to get preachy, aren't disappointed in that kind of a result. Because the fact that I'm even saying I think they have a chance in this game is remarkable considering what the program was when Lane Kiffin took over. Um, All that being said, I feel like they have a chance. 
I, I think that that's how most people are approaching this. I have seen some that are very confident that Ole Miss is going to walk into Bryant Denny and walk away. I got away a text with a earlier that said we're going to kick their ass. Yeah. So, <laughs> which you know, good for good for people out there. That's what you're supposed to do as a fan. You're supposed to have that kind of confidence. But I, I'm with you. I, I think that if certain things break right for Ole Miss, they can win this game. No pun intended on the injury news. Yes, I <laughs> certainly didn't mean to, <laughs> to put it that way. But you know. If both teams play a perfect game, Alabama wins. If Ole Miss plays a perfect game and they can turn Alabama over a few times, get a few critical stops, you know, I, I think that they absolutely have a chance to win. Yeah. And that, that's a common thread in any Alabama loss over the last decade or whatever is mistakes that they make. If you capitalize on Alabama's mistakes, you can beat them. And if you, you can afford to make your lose. own. Yep, that too. Uh, this is uh, we talked about it Monday, so I won't repeat. But such a huge, huge, huge opportunity for Matt Corral. Um, but this team's got to work on penalties. Something that hasn't really been talked about much, like nationally or regionally, this week. Ole Miss has been pathetic, honestly, in, in the penalty aspect of games. The offenses look great. The defense has been improved. They have been awful in terms of penalties. Uh, really sloppy at yeah. times. You're not beating Alabama with 120 yards worth of penalties. You can beat Tulane and Austin P and Louisville with 120 plus yards worth of penalties. You are not doing anything tomorrow in Tuscaloosa when you're giving them a football field and then some worth of free yards. So that has got to get cleaned up if they want a shot. It has to. And that, you know, it's not the sexiest of topics, I guess. And that that's maybe why it's gone more under the radar. But you know, a team like Alabama doesn't need help moving the ball down the field. You saw that last year. You've seen that in every single game that you've ever watched Alabama play under Nick Saban. They don't need help. And, you know, we try not to say that, you know, penalties can be corrected or they can't be corrected. But we've also mentioned this before, and I believe it was for Mississippi State back on the Sunday show. Eventually, it becomes who you are. A couple more games of this, and that's who this Ole Miss team is. So you need to get that problem corrected now, whether to beat Alabama or just here in week five of a long season. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, I like the way you put it earlier, though. If, if Alabama plays perfect and Ole Miss plays perfect, Ole Miss is going to lose. And that's okay. I mean, this roster, I don't believe top to bottom, is, is truly ready to go to Tuscaloosa and win if Alabama plays perfect football. But that's the thing. You can also dictate that. Yep. That's what they were so good at a year ago. Ole Miss controlled the pace. Ole Miss has often set the tone for everything last year. Every possession, even against the best teams on their schedule, you felt like the defense had to counter Ole Miss. Ole Miss set the the, the pace, literally the pace, uh, the fourth down decision-making, stuff like that. Everything they do is kind of like an equalizer. Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I keep going back and forth. I, I, like, I think they can win, but I am having such a hard time knowing what I know about what this program was and what right. this roster <laughs> is outside of the starting 11 or so and knowing what I know about Alabama. I'm sitting here thinking out loud about Okay, Ole Miss does not have the talent that Alabama does. 
Ole Miss's defense is still a couple of years away from being a true top-to-bottom SEC defense. But they have the best quarterback in school history since Eli Manning. They have the best combination of play callers the school has ever had. Yep. At worst, they have an extremely experienced offensive line. They have the best running back room <laughs> since Deuce McAllister was on campus. Got to be. Uh, under, I mean, under Freeze, even the better teams that he had, the running back position was never a strength, really. No. It was. And, like, you've got Scotty Phillips in the NFL, and Jordan Wilkins is in the NFL, mm-hmm. and, you know, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. And Would Brandon you, Bolden was Brandon a special Bolden teams guy forever. Is he still a special teams guy with New England? Probably. Yeah, he, he made a catch last week, and I, I saw Bolden on the back. And like, yeah. He's been in the league forever. I mean, he. so they've had good backs, but not like this. Um, Never, it, yeah, top to bottom, the way you said it. The combination of players in that room right now, I don't think has been matched in a long time. So should I question their ability to win a football game? On paper, I can't no. decide if this is good conversation or not. <laughs> I think this it is. is. <laughs> I, you guys are hearing my my internal battle in my head of, on one hand, the roster's not ready yet. On the other hand, the roster wasn't ready last year. Right. And, and they, they ran up 600 yards of offense on this team last year, a better version of this team last year. So who am I to question their ability to compete in a game like this? Yeah, and I think a position group that, that gives me a little bit of pause, and it's one that I've I've tried to focus on a little bit this season to see how much better they are. Pass rush. If Ole Miss can get pressure on Bryce Young, I think that will go a long way in helping them win this game or be in this game, however you want to phrase it. And we've seen improvement from Sam Williams, Tarikas Tisdale, guys like that. This year, we're about to find out how much better they are than they were a year ago. And if you give Bryce Young time in the pocket, he's just going to dice you up. Not because Bryce Young is amazingly talented, which I'm sure he is, but the receivers that Alabama has, Mechie, Williams now, who had two huge touchdowns against Southern Miss last week, they've got so much talent around you, or around Bryce Young if you're the quarterback, that if you can't speed up that process, then you're just going to get dissected. It's a huge day for Sam Williams. Mm-hmm. A day to make some money. Yeah, because he's got NFL ability, but he does not have an NFL resume as of this point. Uh, big day for Chance Campbell. Uh, apparently, uh, Cole Kublik and Greg McElroy, specifically McElroy, were questioning Chance Campbell. But, uh, apparently... Greg McElroy called Maryland games in the past and was like, I don't even have Campbell on my my spotter sheet, so how am I supposed to think that he's going to come in and play good in the SEC or whatever? It's a big day for Chance Campbell. It's a big day for Sam Williams. It's a big day for Otis Reese in particular. Uh, DJ Durkin, Chris Partridge. Uh, I mean, there's just so many <laughs> opportunities. And fans don't like this. They don't have to win. They don't have to win for... Fans don't like this. They don't have to win for Saturday to be a success. I know fans hate it, but I believe that in my heart. If Ole Miss goes there and loses 38-35, and Matt Corral throws for 325 and three touchdowns, maybe has a pick in there, and they play well and the defense gets some stops, and it just wasn't enough, they just go there and lose, you should be so happy with the state of your program 
if that's how it shakes out. It is. And, yeah, again, it, keep in mind, this same team gave up 63 points to Alabama last year. Anything only under 47, you, they only <laughs> stopped Alabama for, what was it, 47 Something possible like yards. <laughs> and, yeah, so that same team, you have a chance to be in this game. You have a chance to really win this game. If you don't, though, it's a massive step forward if you're able to, and I say hold them, if you're able to hold Alabama to under 40 points, and you put up your usual offensive numbers that we know that this offense can because we've seen it, you know, it, it's a chance to prove that you belong mm-hmm. in just year two of a completely new system and a new era for the program. Way ahead of schedule. Yep. Way ahead of schedule. All right, so how do you see this game shaking out? <sighs> All right. So spread is 14 and a half. 14 and a half. I will absolutely pick Ole Miss to cover that 14.5-point spread. The over is 79.5, right? Yes. I say the over hits, and I say that Alabama wins. I don't think they hold them under 40. I think it is 40, eh, 42-31. That's my final prediction. 42-31. With Alabama scoring late. I think I do think this is going to be a close game throughout. And I think Alabama, you know, again, scores late to kind of put it out of reach after a pretty back-and-forth yeah. football game. I'm with you. I think they will cover. Um, I just I don't think the roster is completely top-to-bottom ready yet. But... I think Ole Miss will go there, and they'll play well, and Corral will play well, and I think they're just going to come up just a little bit short. You guys know me. You hope I hope I'm wrong because, my gosh, the rest of the season, <laughs> oh, man, I, I just see dollar signs the rest of the season, honestly, <laughs> if they can go in there and win this game. Uh, I'm thinking like 42-38, something like that. Really close game, really, really, really mm-hmm. close game. Ole Miss goes in there and plays well. Just not enough I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I think every person listening yeah. to this hopes you're wrong. Um, the w- one thing, and I, I actually I went back and looked at a lot of Alabama's losses, again, over the Nick Saban tenure and especially more recently. Probably didn't take you very long. No, it did not. And <laughs> Many this, of them. This didn't really come together the way I wanted it to, to have some huge data point behind this, this theory of mine. I think that the tight end position has to emerge for Ole Miss to win this game. I think, and maybe this is me specifically looking at the 2014 Ole Miss win over Alabama, but you had huge plays from Evan Ingram. You had huge plays from Kenny Yeboah last year throughout the early portion of that game, especially to keep, you know, keep things going back and forth. And Ole Miss hasn't had any of that this season. There hasn't been one tight end that has stepped up. You have a couple guys, Chase Rogers, Casey Kelly, then the freshman, Hudson Wolf, Wolf who yep. I don't know if that's an injury thing still or what. But if you can involve a tight end in this game plan, I think that would go a long way. Has been an injury thing for Wolf. Mm. Um, just kind of battled that the for a while. The other two guys, but... I think it's the fact that they're just not, you know, to the standard of an SEC tight end that you maybe right. need for them to contribute. But 
if you can get something out of them, I think that would help a lot, especially if Mingo's not playing. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see tomorrow, 2.30. I've got a wedding uh, that I'm in at 5 o'clock. So we'll see. (laughs) So you're hoping for a lot of running plays, a lot of completions, keep the clock moving so you can see the Or just Ole Miss has a 21-point lead when he has to go (laughs) stand up there and we're seeing everybody in the audience fist-pumping and then have cigars afterwards. True. I hate to be that guy, but a 21-point lead against Alabama may not mean much. Yeah, no, it <laughs> may not. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday reacting to what happened on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. You'll have a good weekend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.